Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 19. It's been a little while since I shared, but I am super stoked to have a new guest this week. I am sitting down with Nicole Hausen. She is the sales funnel strategist and owner of AIM Social Media Marketing, and she is also a huge mental health advocate and badass human being. I am so excited to let you hear her story. It's going to be super inspiring. I hope you enjoy my chat with Nicole Housen. Here we go. Please listen carefully. We are live. Guys, I am here with Nicole Housen. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. Yay. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) So Nicole is here and she's going to talk to me about an array of things. We're just going to get chatting about mental health in your business, being an entrepreneur. I want to start from like the very beginning because you have a little blurb on your intake form, but mm-hmm. you like, you have a quite a story. I do. And like, I'm sure you have told it before on many occasions, but for our listeners, just start from the beginning, wherever you see fit. All right. Well, I'm Nicole. Um, I'm 25 and a business owner. Um, and so I, my, I mean, my story started when I was really young. <laughs> um, so I grew up with depression and anxiety. Okay. Um, but I, I like to say my story kind of started um, about six, seven years ago. That's when okay. everything kind of really got moving. You um, were diagnosed before yeah, that? Uh, with depression and anxiety. Okay. Yeah. And then... Um, I had what we now know because I was diagnosed five years ago with bipolar disorder. Okay. And so about six, seven years ago, um, I had a manic episode. Okay. Um, so that means what that looked like for me, because it looks different for everybody. Right. Um, but I, my personality and the things that I was doing didn't really line up. The, okay. It was very uncharacteristic, some of the things that I did. Um, and so one of the things that we noticed, and looking back, at the time I thought everything was fine and right, normal. Right, of course. And, um, <laughs> I didn't see anything wrong. Um, but I wasn't sleeping as much. Um, and um, that got, got worse over time where it came to that I just wasn't sleeping. But uh, I ended up packing up my entire life and moving to the other side of the province. How old um, were you? I was about 20 at the time okay and I knew like a handful of people where did it, you move to to Belleville Belleville which is okay so you say it's, across the province so like yeah it's like near Kingston okay so yeah, yeah quite a few hours away yeah just a little oh, bit just a little bit yeah with like really nobody um and so I packed everything up and moved and I thought it was the best thing okay. and um it wasn't <laughs> to say the least so I left I left and I made it for about a year okay um were you there for school or were you there just to like get away to leave I to, to leave for yeah. the most part yeah. I ended up going to school up there for a little bit halfway through the year I enrolled to the local college okay um but yeah I moved up there and moved away from everybody I knew and when I did that I lost all my support system and all the kind of the routines because yeah. I was living at home before I moved away so I had like parents who were like hey you know it's like two in the morning you should probably go to bed yeah checking um, in on like you and shuts stuff. the internet off because they're like you should probably not be <laughs> <laughs> wi-fi <down. laughs> so they I had kind of had those buffers and yeah. stuff like that and when I moved away I lost all of that yeah um, so, so I just want to clarify. So you had yeah. the manic episode that led to you moving away. Yeah. Okay. So go back just to describe a little bit for people that don't know, um, being bipolar, you have manic and what's the other, what's the, uh, so manic, manic is hypomanic. Uh-huh. And then there's the 
depressed. Depressive. Okay. I just want to clarify because I just, I don't know all the details and people listening might not know the details. I always like to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of those two, the two swing sides of it. I like to think of bipolar kind of like a a roller coaster and everybody has their ups and downs. Yeah. Um, But people with bipolar don't have the buffers where like you're strapped in and you don't fly off when you go up and down. (laughs) That's kind of how I I kind of put it. um, And I can think of it in my head. And so with medication and proper therapies and everything like that. I can have normal ups and downs like a normal, <laughs> quote unquote, because there really is no normal person. Right, right. But um, you can have those buffers. And yeah. Those buffers. Yeah. yeah. So without that, though, you kind of get the, I'm going to pack up and move to the other side of the province right. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so I moved away um, and it was kind of the beginning of the manic episode. And so it got really bad when I lost all that kind of okay. structure. Um, and so I made some very poor decisions, very uncharacteristic decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I kind of my life kind of spiraled out of control because deep down I knew that that wasn't that wasn't me that was my yeah. wasn't my personality like I I grew up in a very religious um, home and okay. so a lot of the things I were doing were not things that I knew that I what well, it didn't line up yeah. with my values yeah but I did them anyway because yeah. I wasn't making yeah, good decisions yeah you weren't being yourself yeah so I moved away I did that um and then I kind of hit rock bottom because I stopped sleeping okay. um and well that wasn't the other reason but <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of the reasons <laughs> but one of the many many reasons yeah. um and so I kind of hit a point where I realized something was wrong and I I realized I needed help so I went in um and I kind of hit a point where I I was now hitting the depressive side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to the hospital and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm not okay. I need some help. I'm this many hours away from my whole entire family. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I made a few friends. And so they were really supportive and helpful, but there's only so much they could do. And um, mental health wasn't a conversation that... Yeah. That was what you say, six, seven years ago? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a conversation that people were really having. And it definitely wasn't a conversation my group of friends was having right and it's even amazing that you knew like and you went in and seeked out help at that time because six seven years ago like you're like you're saying it wasn't it wasn't out there as much so to know that you need to go check in with someone at the hospital that's really impressive yeah (laughs) like and courageous because you don't know yeah yeah so I didn't really know where to go so I went to the hospital asked for some help um, I did get a few like resources and things, but th- none of them really fell through. And, um, because I didn't really, I didn't have anybody in my corner to be like, Hey, so you have an appointment here. You should be there. Right. And I was so depressed that I'd miss appointments yeah. and, um, had like a slew of different like trial medications. And so they'd be like at a clinic, one clinic, Oh, here, you can try this one medication. And yeah. then at another clinic, they give me something else. Nobody told me, uh, like what medications could and couldn't be taken with something else or, like, you're oh, not no. supposed to drink alcohol on yeah. some of these medications. Right, Nobody right. told me any of this. And I'm a college student, not making good decisions to begin with. Right. And, um, so it just kind of spiraled Ooh, yeah. uh, to the point where I I hit rock bottom. And so I uh, tried to um, die by suicide. And uh, so I, I went in a few times before that and I said, listen, like, I'm, I'm really, really not okay. I need mm-hmm. some help. Um, and I kept getting sent home. And so finally I just... I, hit the point where you were making the decision. Yeah. Um, and so I did. And, uh, a, I don't really know all the details cause honestly yeah. I don't remember a lot of yeah. them, but a, uh, ambulance did, uh, show up and I ended up uh, going to the hospital Okay, and they released me the next morning. 
Wow. Yeah. To wow. <laughs> so it was not um, it was not a good situation. No. Um, so and I I know I spoke to a crisis worker. I have no idea what I said. I must have been very convincing that it was okay. Yeah. Um, because they sent me home and I was still in the same place. So the next night I repeat the cycle um, and ended oh up back goodness. in the hospital a second time. Oh my goodness. At that point, a doctor realized. Something's definitely wrong here. It's so crazy that it that it took two attempts for someone to say, oh, this might be really something we should, like, consider looking at. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Did it feel... Obviously, it felt crazy. That's a dumb question. But, like, like, going in the second time... I just... I was so confused as to why nobody cared. Yeah. And that, that unfortunately... And I don't, I don't think... Um, looking back, I don't think they had the resources to help me. Right. I don't think they had the people trained mm-hmm. um, to really understand what I was going to. We got one really lucky fluke of a doctor who was like, "Where? how do I get a hold of your parents? Oh, um, and so they called my parents and were like, you know, you know she's she's here. She's at a hospital. I uh, reached out to somebody at home to, and had let her know what was happening um, before I before I got pulled into the into the hospital the second time. And so she had already called my parents. My parents didn't know where they were going or how long they were going, but they jumped in the car and started driving. Yeah. Um, and so they, they got to the hospital, and the, the doctor pulled them aside and said, listen, if you don't take her home, she's not coming home. Right. Um, so they... Oh, I just got chilled. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and if... Looking back, oh, my gosh, my parents are, like, literally the best people in the entire world. Because I, like, I was like, yeah peace out guys like I don't want you in my life at all and it moved away yeah um but that's also you know again not a non-characteristic thing yeah yeah and so and we didn't really understand we didn't we I didn't have a diagnosis of bipolar at that point right um we knew that I had depression and anxiety yeah um but that none of that really made any sense and yeah um so yeah they they brought me home we packed up my whole life and within like two and a half days I was <laughs> and then you came back home. yeah yeah and so like they they came up um and then I left later that afternoon okay um so and they released me again from the hospital which again I don't understand yeah. but they released me to my parents this time so I right. mean somewhat good decision yeah um but uh so we came home and we got me uh we went to hospital here and we got a uh, in front of a crisis worker and we got pulled in to uh speak to a psychiatrist who was on Okay. Uh, and she diagnosed me with bipolar. She diagnosed you there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she did the most amazing thing. And I actually had a sticky note, and it was up on my wall on my desk for the longest time because I remember sitting there, and I couldn't make eye contact with her. I couldn't look at my parents. I was just so ashamed of everything. Mm-hmm. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And she got down right in front of me and, like, made eye contact with me. And she's like, this is not your fault. And... <laughs> Again, chills. Yeah. So it just... it. It was really um, that moment where I was like, oh, okay, like, maybe I didn't do all this. Yeah. Um, and, like, looking, like, we had my parents, when they packed up my room, they were like, "What? which one of these medications are you on? And I'm like, oh, I, like, I took that a couple days ago and this one. And so they're like, okay, like, but which ones are you taking? And I'm like, right. I, I don't know. Yeah. And so, like, the doctor's looking at the medications, and a lot of them, like, if you take the two together, you can have a seizure. And, like, I had been um, in the hospital for, like, having weird things happening to my face, and they couldn't figure it out, and, like, doing MRIs. It was likely the medications Med- medication. oh my that God. I was on that I wasn't, because I wasn't in a good place. Right. I wasn't saying, hey, by the way, here's, like, a bag of all the subscriptions that yeah. are, are prescriptions, prescriptions that I'm yeah. on. And so... All of that kind of 
I, I was, it was not, there was nobody in my corner. No, no. <laughs> so, uh. Well, I'm glad you came home with your parents. Yes. And then you said you started the longest, um, recovery process. Yeah. What was recovery like? And like, is that something you consider like an ongoing life thing? Is that something you still, still deal with daily? And how have you like managed doing that and coped with that? Yeah, I think recovery is, it's going to be a forever thing, mm-hmm. um, but it looks a lot different. Um, like when I first moved home to p- figure out, like to put my socks on, like I'd, I'd just sit there and cry. My mom would be like, you have to put the left one on and then the right one. It was like having an adult toddler. Wow. Like I, I would go to bed and I couldn't fall asleep if she wasn't sitting beside me. Like it was, I, that's where I was at. You're like very, at the very base. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, okay, you have to put the socks on and then the shoes. Um, and it was stuff like that where... I mean, I was 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. I should know how to put my shoes on. Right, um, right. But I just but... wasn't, I wasn't there at that point where I could make decisions on my own. And so it was a lot of um, rebuilding my entire life yeah. and then figuring out what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Now that I'm I'm home, I'm 20 something. I'm supposed to like, I don't know, be working or have a job or go to school or yeah. what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. So I... Uh, I luckily when I had been in college I had taken a social media marketing class and I loved that class so much okay and uh, I had known that people do this for a living they work from home and so that seemed like a really good option because I wasn't ready to do anything outside of the home at that point right right um and I had enrolled to finish my schooling at St. Clair uh, which was going to be really great um, but that didn't start till January okay so I so uh, yeah how many how what what at point was this at that January was far away? Yeah. So January, uh, it would have been the very beginning of September. Okay. So yeah, you got a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had some time to kill. <laughs> yeah. So I put in, uh, I, I kind of put a, I put an ad out on Kijiji of all places. Oh my gosh. And it was like this <laughs> stupid little, like a black and white selfie of me and like my name and my, like my Gmail <gasps> and like, I do social media marketing, and for the life of me, if I saw that ad, I'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm never hiring that person. But somebody did. No way. Just by fluke. And they ended up being one of my longest staying clients, honestly. Oh my gosh. Um, so it was really cool. I learned so much with them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we did like everything. Like, usually clients like want one or two platforms. Like, we did everything. And um, and this was all just stuff you knew from that one class. From one class. And See, then people just go and do things it doesn't like I love that you just went and did it yeah and didn't have to have freaking everything perfect and in <laughs> line just like you know I put a kajiji ad out and it worked yeah yeah so I mean it hasn't worked since then so <laughs> maybe don't try that option but um it, for me it worked yeah. um and that's how I kind of got started but um and then just learning as much as I could at a lot of reading and like studying and research and all that yeah kind of stuff but, yeah so um, so you Came home in September, mm-hmm. went back to school in January. Yes. The in-between before going to school and I guess, you, so you were working with that one client yeah. in, during the interim. Yeah. You were still recovering yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So like walk me through like a day or a week because you, again, it's like that excitement of like having a client and doing stuff, but you're also recovering at the same time. What was that like? Yeah. So the first few weeks of coming home, I didn't have the client right away. I put the ad out um, and I got the 
the client like three, four weeks later. Okay. Um, but there, there was a program that I was able to sit in. It was a one week program. And uh, so I go in the morning and they let me out at like two, not let me out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the work, the, the class or whatever you want to call it, yeah. let out around like two o'clock. Okay. Um, but they talked about and like taught you like how to like self-care and, and um like coping mechanisms and things like that and like when you're having a panic attack you feel like you're gonna die but you really the worst thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna pass out and then you're gonna breathe fine so like (laughs) stuff like that I was like "Oh, oh well that's good to know I mean like now I don't feel like my whole world is ending every time something happens right um so like teaching stuff that most people don't don't know or is aren't told about because It's not something people talk about or feel the need to talk about. No, but it is now, which Mm -hmm. is really freaking cool that like that transition has changed and we can do things like this. And which leads to my next question is like, what are some of, and again, everything is from your experience. What works for you might not work for someone else, but what is like, what are some of the coping mechanisms that you've used um, to help manage and cope? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess the biggest thing and the thing that I've really kind of determined is so um, self-care is a big topic that people talk about all the time. And um, honest to goodness, I used to roll my eyes up until like maybe three months ago. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know. Um, Because self-care is like the thing. Everybody, it's that buzzword. And Mm -hmm. so um, self-care, like bubble baths and, and do face right. masks and all this stuff. And I was like, that doesn't make me feel that great, actually. Like, I no. don't feel rested after that. I feel like I just check something off a checklist. Right. Um, and so finding self-care that works for you mm-hmm. and something that actually, um, I guess the def- somebody defined the definition of self-care is something that makes it, it um, revives you in a way um instead of just Mm -hmm. whatever somebody else considers self-care so self-care for me looks completely different from somebody else and sometimes self-care is just sleeping in for an extra hour in the morning (laughs) and then sometimes it's like it's unplugging and shutting your phone off and reading a book or going for a walk or um like people kept telling me like going for walks is a really great form of self-care and yeah. I was like I don't want to go for a walk yeah that does not sound like fun right now no at I all I need the extra hour of sleep that is my self-care exactly yeah so finding what works works for for you and yeah. um being okay with that um yeah. is like I guess one Number of the one. figuring that figuring mm-hmm. that out yeah yeah and then um, I guess just really checking in with yourself is another really, if you can be self-aware. Yeah. Um, and that, that takes some practice. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's something I say, have said, and will continue to say, it's like, I have become really self-aware, but at like, I can remember before becoming self-aware and I'm using air quotes is like, how do you do that? What does that mean? Like, yeah, you can say that, but like, how do you become self-aware? And you're like, um, well, I guess I talk to myself in my head a lot. Like, <laughs> exactly. It is. It's a lot of, like, reflection and writing or, like, that's why I spend so much time by myself and, like, being alone, like, helps me, like, get all my shit in order so I can mm. be aware of what's going on and then, like, be available to others in the best way possible. Exactly. But being self-aware, it does. It takes, like, practice and continuous practice exactly it's very difficult yeah like checking in with yourself and, and yeah. kind of figuring out like how am how am I feeling and then why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling I love that uh, I love that yeah because like I'm I'm really 
cranky today oh well it's because somebody like tweeted something rude at me yeah and so i just started my day off wrong there's nothing wrong with me i'm just cranky yeah and that's okay yeah um and then other times it's like you know what i'm really sad why am i sad actually there is genuinely no reason for this okay so what what can i do to fix this right um so kind of looking at especially because i my my emotions swing sometimes being aware of that and knowing kind of um and knowing what's happening and being aware of that yeah. is really and then like I even have to factor in like well how much sleep have I had in the last like few days right and... you were just posting about that today or mm-hmm. yes, today today I, I think today. <laughs> I saw it today I don't know if it was posted yesterday but I saw today is like again that's being self-aware is like recognizing you haven't been getting enough sleep and like rebooting and being like okay I actually need to readjust <laughs> exactly yeah like there's days where I'm like you know what like I'm gonna get everything that has to be done for client work and then for the rest of the day I'm going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and it might seem like a really lazy thing to do but that's what I needed that day because I needed a day just to kind of sit there and binge watch really stupid tv shows that are probably melting my brain but I don't care because that sense of relax is just like you don't have to think about anything exactly yeah or sitting there and just like I'll go sit on the porch and I'll drink a coffee and then stare out. And I used to, th- I never understood that. I never really got like people would be like, oh, let's go sit and like be silent. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like this doesn't make sense. But I get it now because sometimes you just, your brain needs time to just chill. Chill. And like, yeah. yeah, I'm always in the car. The, either the music's on or I've changed it from our podcast. And like, like on the drop of a hat, I'm like, fuck this. And I just, I'm like, I need silence. And I'm like, <laughs> press the button. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, this is nice and I just drive in silence all the time and I'm like I used to think I was like maybe there, there's something wrong with me and then I was like you know what I just need to stop hearing things all the time and I just need to think my own thoughts and but it happens so fast where I'm like Duh, I can't listen to this anymore yeah I just need silence but exactly yeah. yeah it's hard for I think it's hard for a lot of people almost everyone to like sit with themselves it's not something that like you know it's you know glamorized or glorified to be busy to like be on the go whatever I do think there's a shift happening. I do think, you know, with the health world and, you know, and all that and yoga has become really popular that meditation or whatever form you want to give it is becoming more um, prevalent is the right word, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot. it is. It's something like even I struggle with feeling like I should be busy all the time mm-hmm. when I'm sitting at home watching Netflix and I'm like... I'm like getting antsy. Yeah. yeah I'm like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Should I be doing something? I have a list of things to do, and I like put my head in a in a tizzy. Yeah, and I mean, it's not it's not easy. I'm yeah. like the queen of pushing through and and just overworking myself. Um, I also get sick so easily. Girl, we are on the <laughs> same page. My brother said the other day, he's like, you just stand up and you don't feel good all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you look at me sideways, I'm definitely gonna have a cold tomorrow. That's just how it works. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, yes. So I totally understand that. It, but part of that is just not taking care of myself, and so that's yeah. another really good reason. I mean, mental mental health aside, why I have to be aware of like, okay, how much sleep am I actually getting? And, yeah. And what am I doing? And so it is really hard to be like, you know what. I'm going to shut my phone off or, um, like I literally just recently, you think I figured these things out at a time, but (laughs) recovery is a long process. Um, like I don't put my phone beside my bed anymore when I go to sleep, I put it across the room. Oh yeah. And that's really hard. It's really hard. I I think about that all the time and I'm like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it's so easy just to like put it down. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not perfect at it. I still like, I'll sit across the other side of the room and be like, okay, my phone can't go on my bed, but I'm going to sit here for an hour. 
and procrastinate going to bed <laughs> instead. Yeah. But the phone doesn't go into bed anymore. And that, that's been really good because then when I get in bed, like, my brain can just, like, chill. Right. Um, it's and, there for sleep. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that where – and every everybody's a little bit different, right? right. Like Yeah, for sure. Um, for the longest time, that was not, not going to be an option no. for me. It just – it wasn't. But now I'm at the point where – it can like something be you want to do exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about bipolar disorder itself mm-hmm. what is something or anything you want people to know about having bipolar disorder sure um, so it's it's a mood disorder and I think um, a lot of people think bipolar is like somebody who swings back and forth really rapidly and quickly mm-hmm. so they're really really happy and they're really angry or um, and a lot that's not that's not your common case of bipolar now there is um, there's two, two types, two types. Yeah. okay um, so one where you would like switch back and forth um, fairly frequently and okay. another one where it's longer periods of time where okay. you're one or the other um, but it's not like that like stereotypical movie yeah yeah yeah. so a lot of times people like I was listening to music this morning even and there was a song and it was like I think I might be bipolar and and he's just talking about being moody and I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) like we're how are we still at this stage where we're having people was it an old song or was it a new song no it was a brand new song and I'm like (laughs) oh my gosh you guys even worse (laughs) (laughs) but like I even like not I think it was a year and a few months ago now I went into a doctor and I was like I can't I can't take this one medication because it causes manic episodes and and I'm pretty good at advocating for myself now and he said oh this won't make you moody and I was like that's not what (laughs) that is not what manic (laughs) means um and so it's really frustrating because people don't understand what in the medical community yeah what people um what what it means and so Manic doesn't mean that you're moody and that you're flinging things across the desk. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it can. Right. Um, and, but a lot of times that's, it's more of an irritability. And so I remember being manic and, um, like, I just felt like I lost control of everything. Everything was going so fast and I couldn't keep up. And in real, like reality, it wasn't, but, um, it's like watching a movie with like the speed doubled and you're trying to follow the storyline you're like oh my gosh what is even happening I can't understand what people are saying and that was my life for for weeks on end and so yeah when people are in a manic episode they're going to get irritable because everything's everything's too much um and it's really hard to and they're not sleeping so they're add that if somebody doesn't sleep for a week I mean anybody would go well bonkers yeah yeah so (laughs) so all these different factors in it so it it's not a mood yeah. in the sense that, and so bipolar is a mood disorder um but it's not something where you can be like oh i'm moody and so therefore i'm manic that's not right that's not the same thing yeah 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 which is often not, not the case in like movies and stuff they portray it a little differently exactly. like everything in the movies it's a little accentuated yeah um for anyone listening who already knows they're bipolar or just got diagnosed or maybe isn't diagnosed but is thinking hey this kind of sounds like me what advice would you give them whether that's to seek help or a coping mechanism to start something a place to start like what is advice you would give someone yeah I think if you if you feel like you might be bipolar I would definitely go and seek um 
medical professional. Yeah. Um, but make sure it, it's um, make sure it's somebody who knows what bipolar is, and I, I I mean this in the nicest way possible. But make sure it's somebody who specializes in bipolar. Sure. That was one of the things that we did really well when I moved home because I had so many bad experiences mm-hmm. um, with doctors that didn't understand. Um, I purposely only went to a psychiatrist that actually specialized in bipolar, and I did my research and I got myself on a wait list, and it took six months, but I got into somebody who was like, okay, yeah, here's what we do. And I was like, it, it was so much easier than trying to explain. Right. And is that here in Windsor? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So do your research, kind of figure out who has the right um, training for that and that can help with that and make sure they're a, a psychiatrist um, who can actually make those. Right. And knows a little bit more than like just the general. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, crisis workers and people like that are really great and, yep. and, and they're very helpful and they'll get you pointed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's like a step further. It's a step better. Why not do the best that you can if you, you know, if it's there and it's available, why not? Go exactly. the best person possible. For sure. And then you're going to get the best results possible. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you also wrote an article. Um, nine. Oh, shit. I'm going to forget it. I wrote down though. Nine. Nine. Oh, my God. Oh, there it is. Okay. You wrote the article about the nine things you've learned as a business owner with bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Because owning a business and being bipolar at the same time, what are those challenges? What are the benefits? Like, I want to hear, like, both sides of the coin. Yeah. So I think the first one we kind of talked about was taking care of yourself. And so that's something that is so incredibly important as an entrepreneur, though, especially when you're, you've got this hustle mentality. And so that is something that a lot of people are like, oh, you got to hustle, hustle. And and. I'm all cool with that as long as you're still taking care of yourself. Right. Yeah. As long as you're still sleeping, then, yep. you know, what? go for it. Hustle for nine 12 hours a day if you are sleeping and taking care of yourself right. and everything else. Um, so that cutting in that time and, but really boundary setting was another really, especially um, when you're working with clients. And mm-hmm. so um, I setting those boundaries to say, Hey, you know what? I don't work Sundays. I take one day off a week and I just don't answer messages. And right. it's something I've, I'm upfront about. And I just say, Hey, like I'm, I'm kind of off limits. Yeah. Um, and so we like, we take care of what has to be done. Right. Um, but for the most part, things are scheduled out and taken care of. So that way I can have one day where I'm not on call. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of setting those. I, I don't respond to emails when I'm in bed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, don't text me at 11 p.m., please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can you can go right ahead and message, but I'm not going to respond right. back until the next morning. Nice. After I've had my coffee. Right. And there you go. I'm you got your self-care down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, and so setting those boundaries is really great. And then systems is a huge one that I learned in the last year is making sure that you have kind of a plan and your systems in place. So that way, when you're having a not so great day, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, and so I don't know how many times where I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm really not okay today. I can't work today. And so I have, I call it my, my fast 15. So I have 15 tasks that I have to do every single day to make sure everything runs smoothly for the day. Okay. Even if nothing else gets done, nothing, the world is not going to end. <laughs> and so I will sit down and I'll do those first thing in the morning. So that way, no matter what else happens for the day, I know that things are taken care of and then I can get more into debt with like client work and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but kind of having those those systems and um I think that's good for any business yeah. and any business owner sure. is having kind of clear set systems I like to have things written out um I have like a binder and it literally if if I picked up that binder and handed it to handed it to my VA and be like here like run the business she'd be able to right. figure everything out because <laughs> it's all written out and it's yeah. like okay here's what you need to do um because I've 
been through everything I've been through, I went a step further and I was like, okay, if I end up in the hospital, here's the people that need to be called to inform that I'm no longer going to be able to take care of their accounts right. or this is their new contact information. This is, this is the people that you need to call, whether it's like psychiatrists or doctors or uh, like I have it all written Everything. out. I, um, I sat down uh, and got a will and a power of attorney. Wow. And that was like one of the first things we did as soon as my business was legit. Yeah. Um, was kind of what what happens if I'm not able to continue or, yeah. or I'm not because being manic, one of the things that people do is they both throw a ton of money. And okay. I know I've done it once. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to get back Back. on your feet afterwards. I have heard that. I have heard that. Yeah. And because it's not you in a sense. Right. But you still have to own up to those Those consequences. Right. Right. Um, So having that power of attorney where I've literally got so that way, if if I'm making really poor decisions, um, it's my dad. And he can say, you know what, she's actually she's going into a hospital um, and she can't make any financial decisions right right now. So that way I'm my business is protected. Right, exactly. Um, so having those kind of set in place is another really good And thing. that brings me perfectly into my next question. Is the people in your life that are around you, how do you, or like what are things that they do to help you navigate if you're going through an episode? What are things that other people should know with someone, whether it's, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, whatever disorder you have, there are things that people around you can do to help you recognize when you might be going a little off. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have those like conversations or those things in place? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I think all of my friends have, and I have had a conversation at one point or another. Um, like my best friend, she knows. Like she'll be like, "Hey, you, are you okay?" And I'm like, "No." She's like, "Okay, do you like do you need me to? What do you need me to do?" Um, like I've we've had an agreement where if I'm really, really not okay, she's going to go around me and call my mom, whether I told her she can or she can't. Um, and I need people in my life like that yeah. who are going to be like, hey, so she's going to bolt again and you should probably get her some help. Right. Um, and so having those conversations, they're hard conversations to have. Like mm-hmm. my best friend has, has kids and I'm a huge part of their lives. And I, I've said, you know, if I'm manic, I don't know that I'd should be around them if I'm making poor decisions. And that's a really hard conversation to have. Mm -hmm. But knowing that she's got my back and she's like, okay, so we're going to get you some help then. So that way you're not manic. Um, And that way you're stable. So you can be in the boys' lives and stuff like that. And so... um, Has that been something hard to like succumb to for yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely... It was a really hard conversation to have on my part, because mm-hmm. to be able to have to admit, you know what, there might be a time where I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and so since, uh, I've had one manic episode, uh, since moving home mm-hmm. and it was the most, again, most terrifying thing I've ever experienced. Um, but this time, because I had a support system, um, I had like this moment of clarity where I walked up to my parents and I said, okay, so we have two decision options here. Um, we're going to bring me to the hospital and, and we're going to, we're going to deal with it this way. Um, or you're going to take away my keys and we're going to call the psychiatrist. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, give us your keys. Yeah. <laughs> call the psychiatrist and then we'll go to the hospital if we need to. Yeah. And so they were able to give me the help. It turns out it was a medication change. And I was so going to say, what brought you to 
having that yeah that reaction or that is it called an episode would it be yeah yes yeah, so it would be a manic episode manic yeah episode. um so yeah and all that was was a it was a medication and we knew there was a chance um and so i think that was part of the reason too why i could articulate and say hey i'm really not okay because i was cycling so fast and i could feel it yeah um, was it like that within a day was that within a week was that like a couple hours where you're like things happen? It got really bad within within a day. Okay. Um, I could tell something was wrong, and I, I I'm very vocal <laughs> when that's I'm not good, okay. But that's good. Yeah, it's something I and it, it's not easy to be like to message somebody and be like, hey, so I'm not okay. It's really hard to put yourself out there and yeah. admit that. Um, but I I'm getting better at it where I can yeah. admit that and um. Thank goodness my parents love me because they'll be like, "Hey, so I'm not okay today, yeah. or I'm I'm upset, or I'm anxious, or," um, and so they're they're a really good sounding board, and so yeah. I have really supportive parents. And, and obviously, friends. you encourage more people to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is that stigma there still. You know, as much as we talk about mental health now, and awareness is huge, but there still lies a stigma, even if it's the stigma you put on yourself, is like reaching out and making an effort to be like, "I'm not okay." can save your life. Exactly. Yeah. I, it, it breaks my heart. Um, one, I guess one of the things that I would say is that if somebody comes to you and says they're not okay, then you, you've really got to listen. Yeah. And it's really easy to be like, oh, but you are okay because, and then pointing out all the good things that are happening in your lives. It's not helpful in the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's really not. And yeah. so if somebody's admitting that they're not okay, okay, how can I support you? Yeah. What, um, yeah. What would be some advice you'd give in that circumstance yeah and so finding out and I think that's part of the reason why if you know that you are diagnosed with bipolar disorder or um, another disorder having those conversations with your friends ahead of time um, can can be great I know my manic episode I knew I knew there was a potential of it happening because Mm -hmm. of the medication change and so I messaged my handful of friends and I was like hey so I'll let you know if I get into this situation um, but I'm not going to I'm going to disappear. I'm not going to talk right. to you for a little while. And right. it's nothing personal. Yeah. Um, and then I I had people that I had to talk to um, if I wasn't okay. And so right. having those conversations, they're not easy all the time, but they're yeah. really, really beneficial. Yeah. Super so. worth it. In mm-hmm. the end. So you also have a blog. I do. Defying Shadows. Yes. So fucking cool. <laughs> so there's 15 other writers as 15. well. How did yeah. this get started? Where did this come from? Like, how did this, like, baby be birthed? Yeah. <laughs> So I, um, when I was taking the social media class, one of the other things that, so we had like a blog that we had to write blogs for, for, for our class. For okay. Um, and so I had this, this little blog or whatever. And so I actually started writing and I, I started it when I was really not okay. And so writing like kind of stories, uh, things that had happened to me as a teenager and dealing with the depression and the anxiety. And it was just a way for me to really try to figure out what was happening. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> it's like being your own soundboard, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just putting this stuff out there. Um, but then I started getting feedback of people who were like, oh my gosh, I've been through this. Um, and so I moved home and uh, during my recovery, it was, I was producing my own articles talking about like bipolar and and what that what that's like and and trying to figure it all out for myself because Mm -hmm. because I was six and seven years ago yeah and and so I have google but like that was not that was all I had and so outlet yeah and writing my own personal experiences and that sort of thing and um I got to the point where I was trying to run a business and run a blog and I was like I need more people to write for me because I can't do this by myself yeah um and so I I reached out to uh, a handful of people to see if they wanted to write and then I put a few call calls out into different Facebook groups and that sort of thing and over time it's just grown so there's 15 people a few of them have been there from the beginning wow um it's just they're 
honest to goodness, the the most amazing people. Like I read some of their stories and I'm like, oh my gosh, like don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, because but they're they're so amazing that they're willing to like share their stories and and be able to. There's things that I can't. I can't talk about like we have mm-hmm. uh, one gentleman who's on our our blog, and I'd love for more guys to be able to write for us. Yes. Um, but there's so much stigma around mental health and 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 men, and so I reached out to him and I was like, "Listen, I can write all I want about mental health and men, but I'm not a guy." Right. Um. So this isn't this isn't really going to to be yeah. as beneficial. Would you right. be willing to write something on this? And he's like, "Yeah, of course." I was like, "Oh my goodness, thanks." Um. But it's been really it's not easy for him to do either, right? Right. And so He's putting himself out there too. I, yeah. yeah. And so I just, I appreciate these people so much. Yeah. They're like mental health warriors. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> how long, so how long has it been? How long has the blog been? Uh, so five-ish years. And is that something you want to keep continuing to do? Is that like a monthly, a weekly thing, a daily thing? How like often do people, are they posting? Like what's the Yeah, so there's 15 people. Um, Not everybody writes a blog every month because everybody has their their mental health stuff, right? Um, But we're producing um, a handful of blogs um, each month and putting those out there. So, I mean, it'll keep going until nobody's willing to write anymore. (laughs) And I probably will keep it going anyway because it's... um, just hearing the feedback of people and so I can see when people like when it posts and people are liking it and sharing it and yeah. stuff and I'm like oh my gosh like it means something yeah and even if it just affects one person like that's enough exactly yeah. yeah and that's always been that's always been the thing if it helps one person that's totally worth it yeah um I've, I've written for the mighty as well and yes. so yeah and uh they they messaged me and said this I wrote this one article about um what it's like to be manic and and that sort of thing and I got a message um, from them saying, like, this this woman wrote in, and her daughter read it, and was like, Mom, this is what I've been trying to tell you, and I didn't know how to put it into words. Oh my gosh, and I'm like, chills. You just cried? Did you yeah. just cry? Oh, my gosh. I, I just, like, just bawled. I bawled my eyes out for, like, a solid hour because I was like, I'm so glad yeah. that me being, like, because it wasn't easy for me to sit down and write, but yeah. having somebody else read it and then be like, okay, yeah, yeah. mom, this is what I, like, can you read this article? And yeah. I did, I do that with my mom sometimes. I'll read something or I'll send it to one of my friends and be like, okay, read this. Yeah. This, this it perfectly explains what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And words that I couldn't figure out how to put it. Like, yeah. So if I can, so cool. if I can do that for one person, yeah, it makes it totally worth it. So hundred percent. It's like the beauty of creating art, whether it's a painting, whether it's an article, whether it's a podcast or a film or whatever, mm-hmm. it benefits us as like freeing us of the things that we like hold inside and then like even double when it helps someone else it's like there is no greater feeling I used to shoot film a couple years ago and the topic has always been suicide prevention mental health that's kind of been the realm and I remember showing my film for the first time at the university film festival and I got a message the day after of some young girl who was like I was harming and then I came to the festival and like what you did like is exactly how I feel and thank you so much and I was just like <laughs> and I yeah to be on and to be very honest at that time that was several several years ago I didn't even think of it like that it wasn't really even in my realm to think that like someone would watch it and like recognize what my experiences were as like a version of their own Mm -hmm. it was more for me at the time was about like I want to be able to portray something so the people that don't understand and aren't going through it 
can maybe get a little perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool when things come full circle and you can get that feedback. There's, it is, there's like no greater feeling in the world. Exactly. And you probably get a ton of that on your Instagram. You yeah. Know, posting every day and stuff. And yeah. I've seen all the messages of like, Nicole's so awesome. Like, we love her. <laughs> like, it is, it's a really, it's, it's, you know, we need more of that going mm-hmm. around. And I think, you know, Social media is a good way to, good platform for that. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> so well. I also want to talk about tunnel funneling. What did, what is this funnel, sales funnel strategist. I yes. read this and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> zero idea, like zero. Yeah. I was like, I want to know what this is. Can you please explain what that means? Yeah, yeah. So if you look at any business, everybody has a sales funnel. How do you get people in through, into the door and then to make a purchase, right? Okay. Um. So I, I specialize more on like the online sales funnel um and so capturing those leads and so we'll we'll create like a lead magnet and so something you can give them for free in exchange for their email address and then creating like an email sequence so that way they get your email and they don't just they don't just like oh cool and then they delete it um like making it so people actually want to read the emails and nurture that so that way whenever your email comes in they're like oh my gosh i want to read that Mm. um and so kind of nurturing those relationships and then it goes deeper and I mean everybody's business is a little bit different but yeah. like webinars and um like upsells and downsells and how can you get somebody who um got a free lead magnet to make a purchase like right away and can you right. can you do all that and okay yeah so so you're doing basically that's what you do for all of your different clients yeah yeah not for all of them um okay. some of them are strictly just social media, social media. Okay. but uh yeah so we'll we'll create kind of a plan and so it's, I got my whiteboard and oh my gosh, I just, I totally geek out on all of it. Like, I'll be like oh That's my gosh, there's so many plans. I've scared people before. I have to like not do it in person anymore yeah. because uh, one girl literally, she just like took a step back. She's like, oh my gosh. So um, much she never, she, she never talked to me again. Um, but, but I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many plans and ideas for you and we can do this and this and this. Um, so I'm, I'm. I've reeled it in a little bit. I like, I'll draw it out and then I do it not in person anymore. (laughs) Apparently I'm intimidating when I get really excited. But um, yeah. What kind of clients are you working with right now? Like, where's your business right now? What's going on? Like, how is everything going? Like being an entrepreneur is like just a mind fuck. I couldn't do it. So so my favorite clients are in the wellness industry for obvious reasons. Um, But because I can get behind that and I I get it um, a bit more. Um, So and I like being able to to work with people who are looking to make a change and impact other people. I can get behind that. Um, I mean, I can I can promote the heck out of whatever business it is that you have. I can I can do that. I can just put my whole heart into it when it's like we're going to change lives. And I'm like, yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of working with those people has been um, where I can combine like my passion product like projects with business. And so combining the two um, has been really great. But what's the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur? Oh gosh. <laughs> it's it's not easy. And I, I know people say that and then other people are like, Oh no, you should just do it. Um it it genuinely isn't easy and there's days where you're like, Oh my gosh, why did I do this? It would be yeah. easier just to get a nine to five. Um and there's been times where I'm like, you know what, maybe I should just shut it all down. Mm-hmm. Um but then I remembered that I have all these like really cool freedoms and I can say, you know what, hey, like I need three hours yeah. to not be working right now and I think just it, it can be, you have to kind of have a, a, not a support system, that might not be the right word, but like a group of people that get it, 
Um, I think that's the best part mm-hmm. of what I've done in the last few years is really getting connected with other entrepreneurs yeah. who Building get out. That community. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. community, there's the word. Yeah. Um, but having other people who get it, because as much as people can be like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur, and I know it's a lot of work. They If they don't do it too, they're yeah. like, I don't. I don't get it. It's a whole <laughs> other world. It is a whole other world. Yeah. Have you found a good community like in Windsor and like build that re- those relationships? Yeah, yeah. I've partnered with other um, social media managers in in the area and kind of. See, I love that. Yeah. Community over competition. Yes, I I have a very strict I don't compete policy, yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty vocal about that. I just there's enough work for everybody to like go around and I mean yeah. as a social media manager especially we're not limited to people in this area no so why are we not getting along I mean yeah just work together that's yeah. fine um but I'm part of a really amazing social media uh community as well and so there's um over I think there's over 800 social media managers right now oh my and we've all got wow. each other's backs yeah. and like oh you know what I'm working with this client and if you've never worked with a client in that industry amazingly enough there's like 800, 800 other people yeah somebody who had to have uh, worked with them and so and people can, are willing to like share their advice and communicate yeah. back and forth yeah that's yeah. so cool yeah so it's been really great to kind of get connected into communities like that yeah too. I think a lot of people like are scared to go into doing something that everyone is doing while well, everyone's doing everything. But I always think of it like being in a grocery store. I'm like, there are 18 brands of bread and some breads are whole wheat and some breads are white and some breads have nuts and some don't like, but everyone wants and needs something different. And exactly. what someone who will connect with you might not connect with someone else. Mm-hmm. I'm like there, like you said, there's enough work for everyone. But I feel like even I, I was guilty of it when I was younger of being like afraid to do the things that I wanted to, because I was like, why does there need to be another photographer in Windsor? Mm-hmm. There's a thousand of them. What, like what makes me different? And it is like about battling through that, like competition Mm-hmm. those goggles of like being scared to compete yeah like, no it's a community like people and that's what I found out tenfold in like anything that I've done people want to help exactly people want to like watch you grow especially in Windsor and maybe that's because I know more people in Windsor but I'm sure it's <laughs> like that in other places yeah too. yeah sure it is yeah but it is it's like once you get past that little bit of fear then like wonderful things can happen. Exactly. I know I've partnered with people and I'm like, I'll get a lead. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I am not a good fit for this person. Yeah. I can guarantee it. But yeah. I'm able to pass that on to somebody else and be like, you know what? I have the perfect, I don't know how many times I've been on a call with a potential client. I'm like, I have the perfect person for you to work with. And I'll be like, I'll, I'll get their contacts and then I'll get off the phone and I'll call the person and be like, hey, like I have a lead for you. Do you want them? Yeah. Um, and like sometimes that's a local person that I can refer them to. And there's been times where I'm like, you know what? I have the perfect person who's, knows about your niche and your industry yeah i can see if we can get you connected um and so it's just it's so much easier when you're not competing and yeah you can just a little bit of less stress when you know that you, people have your back yeah what's your sure. relationship like with failure like how has that grown especially owning a business what's that been like failing mm-hmm. yeah so there there's been times where things got really i mean i went through a really not so great time last year uh with my mental health and it was really hard to do while running a business and mm-hmm. so my business came to a standstill for a little bit um and that was really hard because i'd built this amazing like uh, business and, and all these connections and everything and then i was like i can't really function mm-hmm. myself let alone trying to run a business and so things kind of slowed down and i still i still have uh, a handful of my clients and stuff but rebuilding 
everything a second time is really hard. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest thing is it doesn't matter how many times you fail and you have to kind of restart. You've learned so much in the past that you can just kind of, you're not starting off from the beginning again. Right. I'm yeah. not where I am five years ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. It takes time to build it up. And even if you have that like break, I'm like, suck it back on the horse. Yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask people is how do you want to be remembered? Oh gosh. Um, as long as I left people with a, like a good taste in their mouth, I guess, Mm -hmm. as long as I've made an impact, um, I don't, I don't need people to know my name or know me for one specific thing. Um, but if there's like a moment that I was able to impact their life in some way, I think that's, that's the most important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if they know somebody that I've impacted their lives. Um, I, th- I guess that's what I would really want to be remembered as, as somebody who was making, making a change. I think, and I've only known you for a couple months online and meeting you for the first time now, but yeah. honestly, like, following your account has inspired me, and I know it's inspiring other people, so I think you've done that hands down. So Good. I won't, <laughs> won't worry about it at all. Yeah. Um, what is... Now, you could choose to answer whichever one you want, whichever, or both. Mm-hmm. What is maybe some of the best advice you've been given? What is some of the worst advice you've been given? Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things somebody somebody said to me once was, um, you need to remember your own strength. Everything that everything that's good and that you, you kind of have, it's already inside you. You just have to embrace it and, and do that. And so when you're having a really rough day or really crappy day or whatever um remembering that like there's that quote all that's all over the internet where it says you've made it through 100 percent of all your bad days in the past and mm-hmm. so um but it, it is true like you've i i've been through a ton of stuff and i know everybody else has their own things and we've gone this far there's no point in giving up now and so just it's okay to be like you know what um today's not, uh, not a good day and mm-hmm. I'm done <laughs> I'm done for today yeah um, but tomorrow I'm gonna try again yeah and so as long as you're getting back up yeah. um you can take some time cry <laughs> do whatever it's you gotta do that's all good it's all valid <laughs> at some point it means something is teaching us something right exactly yeah. yeah um with everything that you've gone through would you change anything do you think it has obviously it has but how has it shaped you into who you are like it, is that the reason you are who you are yeah Somebody asked me recently if if you could snap your fingers and make bipolar go away, would you? And I was like, yes, but no. Like, and I felt like so horrible thinking about it. But it's it shaped who I am, and not not in the sense of like, it it's not it it's not who I am. Right. But I've learned so much from my own mental health mm-hmm. and my own journey, and it's made me a stronger person. It's made me more self aware. Yeah. It's made me it's given me the ability to impact other people and kind of find like where my passion is. And I mean, without it, I wouldn't have my business. Right. I would be working likely in HR, um, which I am the least confrontational person. <laughs> so I don't understand how that was going to work. Um, but that was the path I was down was to be work in HR. Um, I can't, <laughs> I don't even, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but that's like, it. that's my, it's part it's part of who I am it's not who I am but yeah it's part of it mm-hmm. it is it's funny because it's like I was thinking about asking you that like would you wish it was not not there mm-hmm. and it is it's like a hard question to answer yeah it's like mixed feelings there's days where I'm like I you know what I could be done with this I, I'm ready to be done I mean if I could take all the negative out of it yeah. I think it'd be all right right um but it 
it's it's made me a better a better person in the long run so good yeah one more question sure what is one thing anyone mental health wise what is one tool they could use tomorrow or next week what is one thing that really helps stem your self-care and your mental health that you think is a good place to start for someone that doesn't necessarily know where to start yeah I think um going back to I I think I said earlier and somebody said whatever revives you is considered self-care um so I mean for me sitting down to do self-care was really difficult so I literally would set a timer 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to work for 15 minutes and oh my gosh the first few times was that hard um but set a timer if you have to yeah for real um and just and decide you know what for the next 15 minutes I'm not going to do answer emails or respond to messages or um whatever you need to do to kind of take some time for yourself and then over time it gets easier where you're like hey oh my gosh I spent like a whole hour and I was reading and I didn't even look at my phone um it gets easier it's a wonderful feeling (laughs) (laughs) it gets easier over time yeah but just start somewhere so even if it's 15 minutes of doing something that makes you feel more normal slash human yeah yeah and I I have set timers before so I've been there and I would like I would be do 15 and then 20 and then like yeah you get lost in like two hours but then like a couple months later I'm like I can barely do five yeah so it's like I also want people know like it's okay to like move backwards and like that's a part of life and it's totally cool and once you have that down day down week down month like there's always space to like move forward because you've been there before but it's like taking that like time to just set the timer yeah yeah exactly (laughs) start today or tomorrow whenever you want to start yeah um okay what's your like um not hashtag user username username i was like (laughs) i'm like what's your at sign (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's my name on most platforms or all my platforms i guess so it's nicole with an h awesome they can find you on instagram instagram twitter facebook Pinterest, all the platforms, all the platforms, <laughs> every platform, pretty much though. every platform. That's podcast. Yeah. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Nicole has just left, and I'm just sitting here, kind of marinating in our conversation. And I am just so honestly thankful to have people like Nicole willing to come on and share their story, be vulnerable, and really be a catalyst. Um, for people to feel like they aren't alone. So give her a follow, send her some love, let her know what you thought about the episode because I know how inspired I am and I'm sure you are inspired too. This is another episode on the Lemon Soul Podcast. I am Sierra Parr, your host. This is weird. Okay, bye guys.